0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. So now open our Bibles together to the Scripture reading this morning, Psalm 25. We're going to be paying special attention to verse 14, but we will read the entire Psalm. Of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. And teaches them His way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of His covenant. For the sake of Your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land." Now we come to verse 14, which we will be reflecting on in a moment. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased, and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles." Beloved brothers and sisters when you pray what kinds of words do you use to address God and what might that reveal about how you relate to him For instance if you usually address God as Lord that could indicate that you tend to see God as more distant that you see God as being aloof from your life that it could but not necessarily. On the other hand, if you usually address God as Father, that could indicate that you tend to view God as being close, that you view God in in a friendly way, that you view Him as being intimately involved with your life. It could, but again, not necessarily. The language of our prayers might be just one indicator of how we relate to God, whether we regard Him as being distant or as being intimately involved. And of course, it doesn't have to be one way or another. There are times when we may feel closer to God, and other times in our lives where we may feel more distant from Him. Scripture challenges us with two equally important truths about God. On the one hand, He is transcendent. That means that He is the God who is holy, the God who is glorious, the God who is exalted far above and beyond us. God is the one who, Scripture tells us, dwells in unapproachable light. God, who is a consuming fire, whose thoughts are not our thoughts, whose ways are not our ways. We call this God's transcendence. But at the same time, Scripture also teaches us that God is near. That He is intimately involved with the lives of His people. He cares for His children. He even cares, Scripture tells us, about the mundane things in our lives. Things such as the hairs on our heads. The God who is holy has made a covenant of grace with Adam, Noah, Abraham, and their descendants. He has entered into a friendly relationship with believers and their seed. He calls them His children. They call Him their Father. God has come near in Jesus Christ. And He even, he even dwells in believers through the Holy Spirit. We call all this God's imminence. That's immanence spelled I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. And it's his imminence that's especially seen in verse 14 of Psalm 25. This psalm is primarily a prayer of David, but scattered throughout we find meditations that David uses to strengthen his faith, to bolster his his Outlook, so that his prayer may be more effective. Verse 14 is one of those meditations. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper here this morning, it's also worthwhile for us to join with David in his meditation. In verse 14, David writes that the Lord, or Yahweh in the original, confides in those who fear him. Another way of saying this is that the confidential conversation of Yahweh is with those who fear Him, with those who are impressed with Him, those who stand in awe of Him. It's as if God is telling a secret. There's a a picture here of an intimate relationship, a close communion and fellowship. And we can see more of what that fellowship looks like elsewhere in this very psalm. We're told that Yahweh shows His ways. He teaches His paths. He guides David in His truth and teaches him. Find that in verses 4 and 5. According to verses 8 and 9, God instructs sinners in the way. He guides the humble. And He teaches them. And all of this comes to believers through God's Word. His confidential conversation, the way in which God confides in His children, that comes through the Bible. It's there that God has given His counsel to us. He's given His wisdom. He's given His law. And above all, most wonderfully, He has given us the promises of the Gospel, fulfilled in Jesus Christ our Savior. And those promises are confirmed for us again this morning in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. This morning, as we celebrate this sacrament, God is again repeating His intimate words of fellowship to us, wanting to draw us closer to Himself through His promises, wanting to to strengthen our bond with Him. Our relationship with Him. And He wants to do that through His promises. And what are those promises? Well, let's reflect on some of them again together. And let's, as we do that, let's rejoice, let's find encouragement and and comfort from those promises. Well, first of all, in the Gospel, we have the promise of forgiveness. Because of Christ, God says, and we heard it from Micah 7 as well, that God will remember our sins no more. That He will take our sins and He will hurl them into the depths of the sea. That He will remove them from us as far as the east is from the west. Though we sin, we can always come to Christ. We can come to Him full of faith and hope. And we can receive the forgiveness that is ours As children of God. Second, God gives us the promise of deliverance. Christ not only forgives our sins, He also delivers us from their power. According to Romans 6, He has broken the power of sin's mastery over us. There's no need for us to be fatalistic thinking, well, it's hopeless, I'm never going to change, I'm always going to be the the same person, nothing is ever going to change. That's fatalism. There's no need for that. As we have this promise of deliverance, looking to Christ, we are different. Looking to Christ, we will be different. We will be changed. Transformed. Next, rejoice and be encouraged with His promise of strength. Strength. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, we read, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Of ourselves, by ourselves, we are lost causes. But because we are in Christ, and because the same power that raised Christ is also living in us, we are being made strong for life Before God's face. Fourth, the gospel promises us restoration. We've messed up. We've messed up so much in our lives. We've all said things that we we wish we could take back. We've all done things that we wish that we hadn't. But guess what? This is nothing new for the people of God. In the Old Testament, this was a regular occurrence. And you think not only of individual people like David, think of the affair with Bathsheba, also with God's people as a whole. In the days of Joel, God sent a plague of locusts to discipline his people. And afterwards, God reassured them. In Joel 2, 25-26, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders in you. And that promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Through Him, we are being restored. We are being renovated until we are perfect in the age to come. So the promise of forgiveness, deliverance, a promise of strength, a promise of restoration. Then there's the, the wonderful promise of reconciliation. Through Christ, we have the assurance that we are, again, on friendly terms with our Creator. But there's, there's more than that. We also discover in the Gospel that Jesus Christ Is the one who not only brings down the walls between God and man, He's also the one who destroys the walls that separate people from one another. We find that truth in Ephesians, the second chapter. Looking to Him in faith, we find healing and restoration for all our relationships that may be broken. And we find an expression of that reconciliation here this morning as we join together as brothers and sisters at the Lord's Supper. He has broken down the dividing wall. He has made us one. Further, the Gospel of Christ promises us wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, says James, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James 1, five. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, where are they? They are in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. And all we have to do is ask, and our Father will give us generously. Last of all, consider the gospel promise of mercy. Hebrews 4 tells us that we can go to Jesus in our time of need and we can find mercy and grace to help. When we're faced with impossible situations, when we're dealing with difficult relationships, we're never alone. We're never left standing on our own strength, left to sink or swim. In Him, in Christ, We have everything we need. And so, loved ones, we only need to look to Him and to call to Him for His help. These beautiful, these rich promises are what Yahweh confides in those who fear Him. Here, this morning, again. And as we look to Him in faith, as we we, we hear His Word in faith, we can hear His voice telling us, Not sweet nothings, but sweet everythings. And verse 14 ends by saying that God makes His covenant known to those who fear Him, who look to Him in faith, who stand in reverent awe of Him. He makes His covenant known. Let's be clear about that covenant, what it is and what it involves. It is a covenant of grace that means that it's a covenant in which Jesus Christ says, it is finished. I have done everything for you. You have done nothing to deserve it. In fact, you've done everything to forfeit it. But yet, I give you everything. It's a covenant in which we're simply called to believe what has been promised, to embrace it, to rest and to trust in Christ alone. And it's this covenant, this covenant of grace, which is reaffirmed in the sacrament that we're going to celebrate here in a moment. At the Lord's Supper, we're given signs and seals that preach the gospel of restored fellowship and communion with God. And so, loved ones, when the bread comes, taste it. When the wine comes, Drink it. Taste it. Savor it. Listen to it. Listen to what the bread and the wine are saying, or what, more properly, what God is saying to you through them. Because of Christ, all is well between you and God. He is near. He cares for you. And He will sustain and nourish you. He will carry you on on the wings of eagles. Because of Christ, you will be received into glory. Because of Christ, you have a reserved seat at the marriage feast of the Lamb. Loved ones, let the Word and sacrament encourage you today to believe these sure promises. And so, be assured, be comforted that God is near. Know that God cares for you deeply. That He is intimately and lovingly involved with every last detail of your life. And he is not only your Lord, but also your Father. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc dot org.